Welcome to the Main Outdoor Enthusiast Podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Mark. So we're going to start this podcast off like everyone else's. We're going to talk about the weather. <laughs> well, we can sum that up in one word. A four-letter word. No, uh, three. Sock. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wet. Wet and humid. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Three letters, wet. It's been a rough start to the Not Well, summer. it's been that way, Paul. Uh, May was dry, but June was, uh, they said the... The wettest uh, June in the last 20 years, and July has picked up where June left off. Yeah. The wet, rain, lots of rain. Every day. Every day. We thunder, and it's, yep. heavy downpours. Yep. So even on our fishing trip, they were calling for rain the whole time. Luckily, it didn't hold true. Right, there were spotty showers here and there. Yeah. yeah. But it still wasn't wasn't was, weather. wasn't a washout. Nope. No. So I think we're on what? Episode nine? Yeah, yeah I think so. Nine. Yep. We're almost in double digits. Yeah. You know, I think I'd read, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I think I read somewhere that 90% of podcasts don't make it past 50 episodes. I well, may have mentioned that. Well, we got a little ways to so go then. 41, yeah. 41 episodes to go. Yeah. We got a long way to go. Long ways to go. Or somewhere to go. <laughs> at, the, at the rate we're going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this week, per someone's request, we're going to talk about beginning fly fishing gear. So fly fishing gear that's good for beginners. Yeah. And fly fishing how to, is... Uh, how for uh, someone to get started in the sport. Yeah. Is, yeah. And, and it's not... I think it gets over overly complicated. Yeah. yeah. It's not a complicated thing. And I think it... Especially gear-wise. Right. There's so much gear on the market. So much gear you don't need. Yeah. On the market. And I, you've talked about it before. We'll kind of go things here in sequential order, but just you've mentioned before about flies when you first start out you think you need every fly under the book right or every fly out of the book and i remember when i was early into my tying that i wanted to tie everything and we did thought i needed every size yeah every possible pattern yeah and you end up learning that you just use you use one very or two flies you use very very few flies and that holds true paul when we when we troll, you use the same fly yeah. probably next year that you use this year. Probably part of it is, you know, we're creatures of habit. Yeah. Kind of get comfortable or something. Yeah. But second, it's kind of really all you need for most situations. Right. 90% of the time, you get just a few few flies yeah. that'll yeah. that'll do the trick. So That'll work. Yeah. So someone asked us to go over, you know, beginner fly fishing gear. Um, so we'll start right from rod, reel. Are you hungry? Yeah, I just ate. So. Stomach's growling. Things are working. <laughs> That's good. That is a good thing, yeah. It's going in the right direction. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> it wasn't a few weeks ago, I'll tell you that. Oh, you were sick? Yeah, I had the, oh, uh, had right. the norovirus yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't figure out whether I needed to uh, kneel or sit, so. <laughs> Sometimes It was a both. dilemma. <laughs> yeah, no, both at the same for sure. Uh, That's where a bucket comes in handy. That's right. Yeah. So we'll talk about some fly fishing gear. So this, we'll start with rods. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of marketing stuff out there, rod-wise. And um, you can spend a lot of money on it. thousands and of Certainly bucks. a beginner is probably yeah. not going to plunk down $1,000 for a top-end no. graphite fly rod. But No, nor should they. Nor should they. They can they can do it for the same thing for a lot less. For I sure. mean, you're not going to know what a good fly rod feels like until you get Fishing a little bit. Right. You get a few right. years into your belt. And uh, so usually, I mean, what I 
recommend is someone obviously go with an outfit. Right. You can get a full, there's some good outfits that are pretty cheap. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend going super cheap. Um, and I use, so my buddy Chris, he went, when he first started, he bought, I think the cheapest thing at Walmart. It was right. like a, it was like a, it was a Martin. I think your uncle Mike did the same outfit. thing as his, he always called it his Berkeley cherry wood yeah. there. You know, and it, it's a good story because I think he spent 50 bucks. Right. And that was rod, real line. Yeah. Made a full outfit. And I mean, it was super cheap, but he got a lot of use out of it. Yeah. And it, it served him well. Yeah. And I think he fished with that hard. He fell in love with fly fishing, used that hard for two years. Yeah. And then he upgraded after, after that. But I'd probably definitely recommend spending a little bit more just because it, when you go super cheap, and it's the same thing if you're learning anything. Like we did it with my daughter when she was learning guitar. If you go super cheap, it's almost, it creates more barriers for them to learn. It's not fun to, right? You, like a, a cheap. Uh, and it's not going to be long before you're going to want to upgrade no. maybe a little bit. So start off with a good It's like with her, a, a cheap guitar. Yeah. Is, you know, it's hard to push the strings down. It's not yeah. going to be enjoyable for her to try to learn. So try to get something obviously not, top of the line, but right. something that makes it relatively or easier for a beginner to yeah. learn how to use to enjoy the, the experience or, yeah. or their equipment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, don't go super cheap. See a lot of rods. There's different actions to them. So you're yeah. looking at fast action, medium action, slow action. And then the big thing with them all is, is the weight of the rod, right? Which we'll kind of go over here in a minute. Um, Everything has to match up. Not so much the reel. Um, that's probably less important. But as far as having the correct weight line matched to the rod um, right. in order for it to perform the way it should. Um, so just real quick, talking about actions of a fly rod. Um, fast action is what I fish with now. Mm. I love a fast action fly rod specifically because of the type of fishing that we do. Yeah, pond fishing. Fish a lot of small ponds. So yeah. fast action rod is going to come in handy with Having to cast further, throws a tight loop, um, good in the wind. Right. So you can basically, you know, you can drive through, the, uh, drive the line into the wind. the wind. Yeah. The downfalls of a fast action fly rod are, there's less feel. It's not as good for a beginner. Um, yeah. it takes kind of a unique casting stroke. You know, yeah. you, you have to get used to that. There's less finesse. It doesn't have as good as a presentation. Right. As a, yeah. as a, what they would call a mid action or mid right. flex fly rod or a, a slow action, slow action yeah. fly rod, um, less forgiving. So for a beginner, and I don't know if you disagree or not, but probably a, a medium action yep. fly rod, yep. kind of an all around fly rod that kind of will get you into close areas. If you're going to fish streams, right. ponds, if you're going to fish yep. ponds, um, a little more forgiving, kind of someone who's figuring out what their casting stroke is like. Yep. Um, it's going to kind of help you find, you know, exactly how you're, because everyone has a little bit different right. casting stroke. And I know I've got some slower action rods and I fish a fast action rod so much yeah. that I feel like I'm waiting forever for the rod to right. load. Um, but it's just, because over time, that's that's what I've gotten used to. Um, so for beginner, definitely go with a, I'd say medium action yep. fly rod. Um, yeah. As far as the lengths of those rods? Yeah. We use nine. 
We're we, nine we use it there again for a pond. It gives you a little more distance and stuff. And but you know maybe an eight and a, eight, eight, eight and, and a half, half foot fly rod good, would be good for a beginner. Good and for stuff. beginner um, with a uh, a five smaller. You've, you've got one that's a seven and a half foot. I do, I but use I use that streams. for small streams. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. I wouldn't use it in the river, but nope. it, but we're in small streams nope. and stuff, I use that. It's a lot of fun. Four weight. Yeah. So. Um, as far as so you rods come in numerous sections. You can get two piece, four piece. Um, Back in the day, it was all two piece, and now with the yeah. you know it's uh, four and even more. I guess they they can some of them are. Yeah, I remember Orvis had one. Uh, it was just out actually. We were up in Labrador, and one of the guides had one there. I think it was a seven piece. Yeah, I knew there was one um, that was a, a lot more than four pieces, yeah. and so it breaks. It's easier to travel with, right? Carried um, on a plane or whatever. Yeah. So, so get a that's the purpose those. of it. But travel rods. Yeah. So. so you know, I would probably do eight foot, eight and a half foot. Yeah. Medium action. Yeah. Two piece rod. Now, yeah. as far as the weight of the rod, we fish. For general purpose, five weight. Five weight would be which a, is a good starting. Maybe a six weight. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good starting point. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an all-purpose. Um, you basically can catch big fish. You can catch small fish right. with it. Uh, a lot of people like a four weight. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I I like a five weight. Yeah. Well, um, the four weight for there again, it would be for. You wouldn't get as much distance with a nope. four weight as you would a five weight, and be fishing in ponds. Sometimes we want a little more distance, yep. so we uh, we opt for a five weight, and that determines too that five weight, or six weight, or eight weight, or uh, two weight determines the weight of the fly rod. You know that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. You, uh, it's a little easier to cast probably a, a lighter rod than it is. You know. It is so. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but funny story about that. I learned, and it was terrible, because I can remember I would take your little Fenwick HMG. Right, little seven and, seven and a half, half weight for a four weight. And I'd be like, Mike, I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah. You gave me this Fenwick glass rod, fiberglass rod. Yeah. It was about the diameter of my thumb. And I still, yeah, the yeah at, the Fen glass. Yeah, yeah, I still have that rod. It's a good, I can good remember, rod. But, yes, I remember my yeah. little wrist, though. Yeah, you total different for, experience. Yeah, my wrist would get so tired. Yeah, and you would hand me your rod, and yeah, it was so like, light. Oh my word, yeah. it was night and day. So yeah. that's a good example of, you know, have somewhat of a decent decent equipment. Yeah, because um, yeah, that was hard for me to cast as a yeah. as a seven year old. So we get the rod narrowed down. We're looking at an eight foot five weight. Yeah, two piece medium action rod. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to go for a reel, you know, you're looking at, you got to match the reel to the line in the rod. So you're going to go five weight, six weight. A lot of reels are kind of dual weight. Right. We'll say five dash six or whatever on them. You've got standard arbor, mid arbor, yep. large arbor. Um, that has to do with the size of the spool. Right. But the line goes around. Larger the arbor, so larger the diameter of the spool. Less Fast, memory you're going to get less in your memory, yeah, and quicker pickup when you reel and it in. Quicker retrieve, yeah. Probably most beginners aren't going to be slaying no. ten pound salmon that are stripping out. Yeah, line most like of the time crazy. we don't even put fish on reels with the way we fish. No, nope. we, we just uh, we just retrieve it, strip them by hand. It. Oftentimes the reel is going to be just a 
placeholder for the line. It's, it's a storage place for the. It's probably of all the components, Paul. I think you you, you know if you were going to save money, you want a good line. Will will make a dis difference in yep. your experience casting and a decent fly rod. But the reel is just for storing line, and it's uh, yep. to me it's the least important thing as far as the casting experience. Um, unless so. you're getting into big fish that are going right. to make big runs, right? And then you know then which you start... we generally don't. No. So. And then that's when you'll really take a good look at the drag system that's right. on a reel, disc drag yep. versus uh, click pull. Yeah. Um, open phase versus closed phase. Yeah. You can use your hand to to adjust right. the, the uh, drag rim, on the rim fly. drag. Yeah. yeah. If it's an open phase. Yeah. I will say, so for the best bang for your buck, Orvis Battenkill has always been a, yeah. a solid, solid starter for right. people. Um, but again, buying an outfit comes with the reel. Right. You can always upgrade that later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, click, Paul, disc drag really doesn't matter unless you're right. catching big fish. They're going to be stripping out line. Um, other than that. Starting out, I think the reel's just yeah. kind of a... Yeah, yeah, spring and pull, like you say. And then if you're going to get a decent reel, you're going to get a, uh, a disc, drag disc drag and stuff, and that you're going to pay more money for yeah, it. Open and, face, yeah. maybe yeah. a large arbor, yeah. um, stuff like that. But yeah, uh, yeah it, you don't have to get too fancy on the reel. Um, line, on the other hand... Yeah, you, you want a decent line. You'd want a, a good yeah. line. And again, all the outfits come with a line. And um, if you buy a decent outfit from Orvis, L.L. Bean, um, those places, you can get a beginner's. Yeah, they're going to probably throw a uh, middle-of-the-line fly yeah. line in there with It'll it. It'll get you by. Yeah. Um, one thing you want to consider is, so looking at line, is the line has to match the weight of the rod. Yeah. So if you're fishing a five-weight rod. Five-weight line. Five-weight fly line. Um, for instance, if you go too heavy, it's going to overload the rod, especially once you start to get a little bit of line out. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's almost like the rod gives away, almost like a wet noodle. It yeah. just, it'll pile the line up out in front of you. It just doesn't have the backbone to to throw that line out right. once you get a little bit out there. Um, I've done that before. I've accidentally put, I've got an eight weight rod um, and I've inadvertently, the reels are almost, well, they're identical reels, same uh Orvis Battenkill. Right. They're just slightly different sizes. You look on the back to see which one's which. And I've accidentally put the wrong an eight weight line on my five weight. And yeah. you can tell once you get, I don't know, yeah. 25, 30 feet out, you're, yeah, you can, it's not, can't push it. It's not working the way it should. No. Um, so just a quick note. So if people are confused about the weight of a rod or the weight of the line, it's basically the weight of the first 30 feet of fly line. And it's kind of a standardized way that they've come up with um, to kind of match rods with line. Um, not to overcomplicate it, but yeah, the first 30 feet of the line is weighed. And then it's in grains that they come up with, with the weight. And yeah. they basically have a numerical system all the way through um, to kind of have some sort of standardized way of of mashing these things up. Um, tapers can be, a, on fly line, can yep. be a complicated thing, I think, for people. When I was, when I started out, the big thing at that time, everybody used double taper. Yeah. 
And now you don't see many of them, you know. Most everything's a wait forward, and there are so many tapers that... Uh, well, on, yeah, when you get into the to wait forward lines, yeah, yeah they've got all kinds yeah. of different... And I think a lot of it's marketing. Yeah, I don't know if even the... Yeah. I don't want to say the intermediate, but even an advanced fly fisherman, I mean, I don't know if they're yeah. really going to be But double taper, it, didn't, it was really good for presentation. Yeah. It didn't cast the fly as... Uh, as far, but you could turn the fly line around and switch ends and you could get double the life out of your fly line. That was the so, yeah. It's, so just to clarify what, you know, tapers are on a fly line is you've got, you have your, your basic fly line and then there's a body of the fly line that's going to be thicker. Right. And where that's located on the fly line is going to affect how the, fly line shoots out how it how you can present the fly right how efficiently it goes out um so what they'll do is they'll they'll have a section of the fly line so with a double taper it's basically the body's basically the entire fly right. line and it tapers down on either end yeah. equally so you've got a perfectly symmetrical fly line that you can you're going to fish one end of the fly line more than the other right so let's say you wear that end of the fly line out. The double taper, you can flip that so around. Flip it around. And fish the other end for right. a year or two. You can use the part that you had uh, tied to the backing. Yep. And, uh, yeah. You and fish that end. Right. Um, what they do with They're, a weight, weight forward line is they take the body of that those, that are, those tapers are on either end of it, and they move it forward, putting yeah. a lot of the weight towards the front of the, the fly right. line. And then they'll get fancy with the various tapers that they'll do on either yeah. end. Um, so the rest of the line is what they would call running line. Right. So when you cast out, you've got the majority of the weight towards the front of the line, and then everything back beyond that back taper is what they call running line. Yeah. And that's just a level level line yeah. on the back end of it. Um, so again, the advantage of a weight forward line is... Tighter loops, more distance, um, plows through wind better. Right. Lacks some of the finesse yeah. that, you know, a, a double taper would have. Um, so presentation may be sacrificed a little bit. Right. Um, also, if you're throwing big flies, weight forward line would, would be good. Um, but I think we've always stuck with the fact for a beginner, a double taper is a good yeah. Good way yep. to go. It's more economical. You can get probably twice the life out of it. Right. Um, and it presents well. Uh, it actually has more of the body in the water. So it, it uh, if you're mending and doing stuff like that, it mends nicer than a weight forward line. Um, so I think for, for someone who's just starting out, it's a good... Yeah, a double taper would be a good choice. Good way to, to, to start. So Yeah. So we're up to so we're rod reel and line rod reel and line so five weight two piece fly rod medium action standard yeah best bang for your buck reel doesn't yep. not too particular and then a double taper yeah just fly a line. single action reel at, yeah okay so while we're talking about fly line we have to mention backing yeah so you're gonna need some backing on your reel. Yep. Um, there's two types of backing out there. 
You get Dacron. Yeah. And then gel spun is another one. Yeah. And I think Dacron's the most common. That's what yeah, I I've have never on. used. I've the only thing I've used is Dacron. Yeah. And I think that's like a proprietary yeah. name. But I think DuPont had developed it. Yeah. It's a braided. I know uh, Cortland is a name that uh, you all will see in backing. It was fly lines too, but uh, there's such a wide market now in fly lines that uh, scientific ang- anglers make some good, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Rio and yeah, there's Rio. a lot of uh, Orvis. They all make so, they all make fly line. So yeah, so we use Rio now. We've used Cortland was the Cortland was the mainstay forty years yeah. ago. Cortland 444, the peach-colored line, double taper, was the mainstay. You've used some Orvis. Yeah. You remember the Wonder line? Yeah, that was, that. that was a lot of years ago. Too. Yeah. It was 30 you years didn't, ago. You didn't care for that. No, I seem to have a lot of memory. A lot of memory. Yeah. And what the memory means is anytime the the line's on the reel, the minute you take it off the reel... Stays in the you, coils. You want it to just loosen up. Right. And just be, you know, go wherever. Not yeah. be conformed to a coil. If you right. if it's coiled on your on your reel, you strip it off and it stays coiled at your feet. Yeah, it's going to inhibit how it casts and and uh, it, it can cause a mess. Yeah, um, and you'll find that different fly lines have varying degrees of memory. Yeah, um, yeah. The less, the better. Yeah. Also, toughness of the fly line. Yeah. Um, which always seems to be balanced with. You've got some fly lines out there. That you know, there's like shark skin, right? And some other more marketing stuff, I think, yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Um, the problem with those that I found was they were durable, um, but they were very textured and they picked up a lot of dirt, right? Which then affects how the line casts, right? But they were supposed to be durable. Uh, so for, yeah, for fly line, Rio's a good one, but whatever you know, if you get an outfit or something like that, they'll have a probably an intermediate. Mm-hmm. you know fly line that's, middle of the road uh, fly yeah. line yeah but definitely go double taper and well you, you didn't mention but backing there again is you build up the arbor of your reel yeah. and it it helps with the memory of the you know getting rid of the memory of your fly line and uh and that's and where, you know helps you with the retrieve too and yeah when you reel in your line there's fewer fewer rotations to get your fly line on the reel and that's where so. the two the two types of backing that are on the market that I'm familiar with, the Dacron versus the gel spun, that's kind of where they differ as far as the gel spun is thinner. So if you need more backing, yeah. if you're catching fish that are going to run and going to bring into the backing right. a lot, um, gel spun, you can fit more on a reel. Yeah. As far as backing, I mean, we never get to the backing unless... We're trolling. We do, yeah, in trolling once in a while. Certainly not our not our trout fishing, our fly fishing. No, even actual. catching, you know, an 18, 19-inch brook trout, brook trout don't strip a lot of line. No. They don't make big runs. No. Um, like a big salmon would or a pike. Right. Even catching pike's a lot of fun on yeah. a fly rod. So, yeah, then you're going to need some decent leader. And we both fish fluorocarbon leaders. Yep. Which is a little pricier nowadays. It is. You're looking at, we use... Basically a set tapered leader. Yeah. So you're back in the day used to make. I've tried it. Yeah. I've, I used to make them and stuff and uh, tie my own tapered leaders yeah. and stuff. And yeah, I haven't done that in a while. Although I do switch tippets. I oftentimes will. Well, that's a cost saving measure. Yeah. I'll 
rather than uh, throwing a, the entire fly line away or whatever, I'll just switch the last 18. Well, the entire leader, I mean. Right. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll just switch. The so you're looking at some fluorocarbon leaders. They're about five bucks a pot. Yeah. I want to say a three pack costs anywhere from 12 to $15. Yeah. Um, and you'll see leaders come in seven and a half, nine foot. Yeah. It's probably the most common. We use nine foot. Yeah. And then you'll see 4X for tippet size, 3X, 5X. Yeah. We use 4X. Yeah. Um, so 4X just, again, is going to be the size of the smallest part of that leader. The higher the number, so when you go 5X, it's even smaller. The smaller the poundage. And the smaller the poundage. Right. Um, so a good all-around leader is a 4X yeah. tippet. It's stout enough that you can cast some pretty good size flies, yeah. size 12, maybe get away with a size 10 dry fly. Um, but you can also get down small enough to 16. Right. You know, around there, um, which is good for northern Maine. Those are good sizes for northern Maine. Right. Um, and they're going to be about five or six pound tests. Yeah. If I remember yeah. correctly, depending on what knots you use. Right. Or if you have any wind knots. Yeah. And stuff like that in them. That can change the break point of, yeah. of the tippet material. Forex tippet, that's a good size. Um, you may want to start with a seven and a half foot. Yeah, leader. a little easier to cast, the shorter, yeah. shorter the leader. Easier to manage. Um, yeah. But definitely get tippet material. So once you change flies half a dozen times or whatever, you're going to chew into the, the, be, the front of your the tippet, your leader, and you'll find it starts to get thicker and thicker and thicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you get what? 18 inches down or so. Yeah. Tie on another section of tippet. I carry yeah. spools of 4X tippet. I can I can get a lot of life out of a... Out of a fly line. Out of a, yeah. a, a single piece of leader. Yeah, fly leader, excuse over me. Over the course, right. of, course of a summer. Yeah. Just by tying on new tippet material. Yeah. Um, if I get a wind knot or something like that, you know, cut it out and yeah. tie in a new section um, on the front of it. So we got... Two piece fly rod, five weight, five weight line, double taper, and four X tippet. Yeah. So good place to start. So on to flies. You don't need every fly under the sun. No. Um for northern Maine, what's our go to? Uh number twelve Adams. Dry if, fly fishing. If we're dry fly fishing the ponds or the rivers or whatever. Yeah, you it's hard to beat a an Adams in a size twelve. Yeah. And when I'm going on the water, that's usually yeah. my my starting point. Yeah, Until, but, unless I see something else coming off. Um, yeah, you know the important three things when dry fly fishing is well size, shape, and color. Right, size being most important. Yeah, silhouette shape. So matching the size of whatever flies are hatching yeah. or whatever the fish are whether taking. Whether it's a mayfly or a caddis yeah. or yeah. And then you get into shape because yeah. caddis flies. Yeah, a little different silhouette than a. Typical mayfly. Um, Like some of the the river here in town has excellent caddisfly hatches. And you will find that when there's a good hatch of something like that, um, the trout will really hone in on that particular. There's one in particular, and I haven't fished it in a few years, but I used to. It was a trichorothodes. Yeah. They call it a trico. That's that's when you're getting into... And size that, 20, uh, and that's, 22, yeah, 22s, 24. Yeah. But boy, you can have some really good fishing and they, and you have got to match that yeah. pretty close. 
They get very selective. And, and that's a mid-morning hatch. Yep. Like yep. a 9 or 10 yep. o'clock. It tends to start in the, the 1st of August, maybe late July in the 1st of August. And you're right, it's mid-morning. It's yeah. like 10.30 in yeah. the morning that they those come off, and they come off in big numbers. Yeah, and they're just a little tiny. Oh, they're small. Tiny flies. So that's something... Small. That's more specific. You'd have to yeah. get, I mean, you're looking at small tippets. Right. Small flies. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah they'd be pretty specific to those those yeah. flies. But um, so size 12 atoms, yeah. usually what I'm starting with. And yeah. then I may switch, you know, depending if I see caddis coming off the water. Yeah. And fish will chase caddis yeah. different than they, than they yeah. take a, dry, a mayfly. Yeah. Uh, caddis kind of skitter across the water they do and uh so that can be a tip that hey they're taking caddis as opposed to mayflies elk hair caddis is a good that's probably a good imitation and in common fly elk hair caddis that would be another one that that yeah number 12 again maybe 14 would be a uh then you throw in maybe some nymphs, a hare's ear nymph or a pheasant tail or yeah. something like that would be a... Hare's ear is probably the most common. Yeah, that's... But nymph fishing can be a whole nother, right. whole nother ball game. Um, I don't do it nearly as much as I should. No. Uh, fish's diet is, what, 90% subsurface? Underwater, yeah. So, Under the surface. Um, and I'm pretty... I love dry fly fishing. Yeah, we prefer That's, if we're gonna if we're gonna fly fish, and most people are. They prefer to use dry flies. Yeah. It's a visual game, more of a visual game, yeah. and especially a big trout. Yeah, that gets you. Yeah, when he or comes a big up, big salmon, and, any of them, it gets gets the blood pumping. When, yeah, when you see him come up to the surface and take a take a dry fly, um, and then you know throwing a few streamers. Yep, Mickey Finn. Mickey Finn is for rough just trout. A, just to a me, tractor that's, pattern. Yeah, yeah. Red and red and yellow. Yeah. So but, I mean, uh, you can basically do it one fly box. Yeah. Throw it in your pocket. You don't need a vest. You don't need. Yeah. All the lanyards and everything else that that's out there. No. Sometimes um, that, all that stuff's a hindrance anyway. It you're is. Be- I've got a fly vest. You're better off to go light. So. I'm still using a you know an Orvis fly vest that has about three thousand pockets in it. Yeah. And I've got you, something in every. I was going to say we got something in every one. <laughs> I yeah. probably never opened the pocket all season long. Yeah. Um. You accumulate stuff over the years. Yeah. You start out thinking you need it. Yeah. Well, and then you realize that the uh, they tell us we need it. That's the thing. The, the, the companies uh, when they market this stuff, they tell us we need it, and they yeah yeah. And don't don't you know don't ever let someone tell you you need to do it this way or you need to use this. You kind of figure right. out stuff that works for you things that you like yeah and the best way would be to obviously to go with somebody who yeah is experienced, experienced in it and they they've done it a long time and they know what to use and can put you over fish yeah uh, yeah and they'll get you a big head start on casting you know and a lot of the places we fish here in northern maine they're low pressure right it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to, to catch a no the fish, fish can be rod. They're not. They're not very selective. Most a lot of, the of fly time. fishing only ponds. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't. It it definitely does not have to be overcomplicated. It's doesn't have to be gear oriented. Doesn't definitely doesn't need to be stuffy. I think a no. lot of fly fishermen and a lot of people view fly fishing as kind of elitist. Yeah. 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 You know, only catch and release. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it it really shouldn't be. No, be that way at no. all. It's fun. 
It is fun. And yeah, don't take the fun out of it. No. It doesn't need to be expensive. No. Uh, yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Um, yeah, don't get caught up in all the hype with, with that stuff. Yeah. There's some, any other things you can think of that? Well, yeah, you could get in there again, Paul. There's so much equipment. You And, I mean, and you we can, have it all. We have, uh, you get into waders and. You can get into, yeah, yeah. That starts to be more of a convenience. So, yeah. I mean, I used to just wade in the brook. Yeah. You know, just yeah. jump in the water. Yeah, and, certainly growing up, I didn't have waders. We, um, but, uh, yeah. And eventually, if you like it and you, you'll eventually have that stuff, you'll, you'll want it. You'll buy and it. What I do is. You know, I, I build my own fly rods, so I can build a top-of-the-line fly rod right. for, like, half the price. With it's better, still a lot of money. It is. You're going to... 500 bucks. Draw up 500 bucks just for the blank, yep. if you're going to get a top-of-the-line blank. Um, yeah. But I put nicer components than those companies put on their, their right. fly rods right. that you buy commercially. And we and tie we, our own flies. Tie our own flies. And there's no savings in that either. There's not, but there's a... There's a sense there's of satisfaction. A, there certainly is a satisfaction component to it, but but not a savings. Uh, you're not going to... No. But I certainly would suggest anybody that gets into fly fishing and really likes it to uh, tie their own flies. Well, and here's, a, here's the you know the advantage of that. Sometimes you'll be fishing a body of water, and you might notice something unique about a species of insect coming off that, right. that water. Maybe they're a slightly different color. Yeah. Um, you've got the convenience of going home... And customizing it to exactly what you saw right. that those fish right. were taking. Yeah. Um, and you can't, I mean, I've even gone so far as take a marker and darken up a fly. Yeah. Um, if there's, yeah. You, know, you can just, you can really customize stuff without yeah. having to find something commercially available. Right. Um, just do it at your bench at home. And then you go out and catch a fish and it feels yeah. pretty friggin' good when you do it. Yeah. Uh, it was something you did yeah. all on your own. Another thing that, you know, that'd be a good recommendation is um, understanding just a few basic knots. Maybe get a book on, on knots because you got to know how to tie your backing, Leader. Well, your backing to the reel. Yeah. Then your fly line to the backing. Yeah. And then your fly line to the leader, yeah. which usually nowadays is loop-to-loop -loop connection. Right. Most fly lines are coming with a, a built-in loop. Um, and then tippet material, right? And then your tippet to yep. the uh, fly, and they're all actually different knots. Yep. Um, arbor knot to the reel. Yeah. Albright knot, the backing to the fly line. See, I use a uh, I use a nail knot, and you can use yeah. I mean, uh, there's no nail knot to um, backing, and a nail knot from uh, fly line to leader. The, the advantage with a nail knot is it's very it's a very uh, Sleek knot goes so through the eyes or whatever. Needed to yeah. go through the eyes, yeah. it goes through nicely. It does go through good. Um, nowadays, when you get to the the uh, fly line, most fly lines come with a loop. Yeah, and then your leader has a loop, and you can just do a loop to loop connection. Makes it quick in the uh, right in the field to change those yeah. out, especially if it's low light. And the fisher jump in, you get a little anxiety because you want to swap out a leader real quick. You don't want to be spending. You, you sit don't there, want to be spending like 15 this. minutes or whatever trying to do a nail knot. <laughs> you're, getting a big, you're getting chewed by mosquitoes. You got a big and, trout rising in front of you and you're trying yeah, to. Yeah, in low light. That. I couldn't do it yeah. in the light. So loop-to-loop so -loop comes in handy. Yeah. Then a blood knot for tippet material to. Yeah, and that's a tricky it. knot. That'll take yep. some practice. Surgeon's knot you can use. It's a little yeah. bit easier. 
Um, I don't like a surgeon's knot. Yeah. I, I like using a, a blood knot. They yeah. also call it a barrel knot. Barrel knot. Yeah. And then a clinch knot. For the fly. Or, or modified clinch. Um, Le- leader to fly. Yeah. Some people use a turl knot. That's a little more complicated. Yeah. I don't want to spend a bunch. I never have a problem with right. the clinch knot. So it's pretty quick and yeah. easy. And, and yeah, when I'm in the field, I don't want to spend time frigging with no. a complicated no. knot. Um, so yeah, a good book of knots is yeah another good. And addition. they will take a little, you're not going to just sit down and tie no. those knots. They, they do take a little practice and, uh, no. but it's all part of the fun of learning how to fly fish. You know, you learn the knots and yeah. I'm sure there's some good YouTube videos on, yeah. on all those yeah, knots. I'm sure there is. So well, there, I think that, is that our beginner yeah. setup? Yeah. That'll get somebody. Yeah. I hope so. Like, yeah. like I said, someone asked, you know, if we could go over some just beginning gear or some beginner's gear. Um, and that's basically what I would use. Five weight fly rod, two piece, medium action, um, double taper fly line. Right. And good fluorocarbon leader, handful of flies and yeah. a good spirit and, yeah, find somebody. I, I think that's, it would be. You're right. That's, I think a really good thing is to find, and usually, fly fishermen they're more than willing to uh, help you out and uh, they are. and get you started and show you the ropes and even and maybe the, even take you to one of their yeah, prime spots. Yeah. You know, even on the water when you see another fly fisherman, yeah. they, they tend to be pretty yeah pretty open. Um, yeah, not very secretive. No. And they want to talk. They they talk. and they and they want to help out yeah. somebody, especially if somebody it's, is if just getting started. And they they want to they want to make you enjoy the experience. They don't want to make you suffer through the no the learning experience. So no, and this world is right full of all yeah. kinds of resources now to learn this stuff. Yeah, I got a story to tell you on that, Paul. And I think I've told you it. I was playing softball with a guy, and he loved to fish, and he was a, a bait fisherman, a spin fisherman. And so I took him to the the Prestile down in Westfield. That used to be really good. We fished it. I haven't fished it in a lot of years. That was in Field and Stream in the 70s. Yeah. Had an article on that. Yeah. Anyway, we get down there and he, uh, and this is a fly fishing stream and there's a lot of trout in it. And I stayed in one spot and I can't remember if the, uh, if the limit was five or 10, but I literally stayed in one spot where we parked and he waited upstream and he came back and he didn't have a fish. And I had a limit of fish. Yeah. So, and you fast forward. I hadn't seen the guy, I didn't see the guy for a lot of years later. And he comes up. I go up to the same spot and he's there. And he looks like he just fell off the Orvis magazine. Okay. Yeah. He's he, had, he had all the gear. Yeah. So, yeah. That was a fertile stream. It was. I haven't been there yeah. in quite a few years. And they had, I remember one night fishing it. I just gave up fishing and watched. There was such a hatch of mayflies coming yeah. off the water. Yeah, it literally it was just the the surface of the water was peppered yeah. with these white bellied yeah. mayflies. And I can remember thinking I was casting my fly out there and it's sitting in like dozens of mayflies. And I'm like, well, what are the odds of the fish taking my fly? Right. Yeah. And I just sat there. We caught some beautiful fish that night, fat, yeah. football shaped. Yeah. But I remember sitting there going, I'll just watch the show yeah. because. I don't have a chance in heck. I think they, I think they, 
they consider that a limestone stream. Yeah, yeah, I think, so. I think it's very fertile with insect activity yeah. and stuff, and the trout grow good. That was probably one of the best hatches I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah, that was just that was crazy, and the fish were yeah healthy. Yeah, they were man, they were healthy fish. Can you imagine that stream back in the day before all the agriculture and the, a lot of farmers? Yeah, and, and it's not, been abused. Not but, to rag on farmers, but one of our yeah. Honey holes there. It was a spring hole. Went back one year and there was yeah. an irrigation pump. Right down platform in the platform built out into the stream. Yeah. Right into the yeah. yeah. Right into that hole. Ruined ruined yeah. that hole. And there's a lot of runoff, like I say. The the the, the land the entire length of that stream is so cultivated now yeah. and stuff. It's uh changes water the, quality is nothing like I'm sure it used to be. Change, back in changes the, the habitat. Yeah. Like for sure. So, so yeah. So like I said, someone asked if we'd go over that, and figured, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? We'll share. Yeah. You taught me, so I I had to be. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll and be I'll, teaching. I'll do the you, same thing with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Lydia's uh, actually mentioned that she's wanted to go. She, fly she has. I've got her. Yeah. She's been out fly fishing. She's pretty good. Yeah. She casts pretty good. Yeah, she said she hasn't gone this year. She just she mentioned to me a, a few weeks ago we're heading that up she, camping here. she would like to go. So We're heading yeah. up here in... In, uh, in well, a few days. Beginning few, of August. Yeah. We'll go out. Fishing isn't really good that time of year, but yeah, kids don't care. No, she can... Uh, catch something. Like I say, just, just, the, just the activity itself, just learning yep. how to cast and stuff will be... We were talking... The other day, so fishing's kind of winding down, at least for us, dry fly fishing. We were talking, you start getting the fever for a little bit of preseason scouting, or at least putting some cameras out. Yeah. Deer the days are getting shorter. Uh, they are. They are. Although. Not yeah, quite noticeable It, it hasn't cooled down any, but the days are getting shorter. Yeah, so. We and I did see, I met today, Paul, and one of the signs along the road, I, I'm starting to see some goldenrod, which is uh, okay. the, the end of the summer. Yeah. The goldenrod. So we'll be getting some trail yeah. cams out here. Yeah. You've got one out already. I got one out. You haven't checked it? I haven't checked it at all. I'm trying to think when I put it out, Paul. I think it was May. Well, I put I've, it out in May, so well, it's, it's been a while. So I've got a little, little buck running around the house. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Actually, Bo and I were mowing down yeah. the back part of the lawn here and he yeah. ran right out in front of us or right across the, yeah. the yard in front of us but i was like dad deer yeah I'm like yeah yeah it's nice to see so well, i hope yeah. someone finds that helpful and yeah wasn't over complicated wasn't because you can really uh, i start talking fishing gear i can really yeah there's a lot you of can it get down there. some yeah some rabbit holes yeah, and well, you know that, and, that isn't really practical to most people, and or so probably much, most people wouldn't care about. So much too, Paul, is dependent on what you fish for. I mean, some people yeah. fish for bass, and some people fish for. You may want a little bigger outfit for bass, a six or seven weight if you were fishing for yeah. bass, and and yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different fish you can fish for. We're talking trout, we're talking brook trout and stuff. So, yeah. northern Maine. More important, just just do it. Yeah, and you'll figure it out. Along the way. Yeah. Talk to people. Find someone who knows. Yeah. Well, with with, them. I was going to say read, but now it's YouTube. You can, anybody can get on YouTube yeah. and you can find out just about anything about any subject. And yeah. And uh, yeah. Hopefully most of it would be right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Always. 
Most of it would be, Paul. Yeah. Most of it would be like, good. Most of it would be good information there. Use a few sources. If they yeah. all kind of say the same thing, then you can you probably know, guarantee that. Yeah, you know that they're good. It's accurate information. Yeah. If you can get three people kind of with the same conclusion right. on something, yeah. same advice, and it's probably good advice. Yeah. So I guess that yeah. just about sums it up. Yep. So you made it this far. Thanks for watching. Until next time, get outside. It's good for the soul. See ya.